Hi there, this is Danny Klein-Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Okay, today from the archives, we're playing a story from author Christopher Knoxon called A Father, A Daughter, A Gorilla Head. It was recorded at the M Bar in Hollywood, California in 2008. So there was a time ages ago before kids came along and sort of ate up every available moment of free time when my wife and I did a lot of thrifting. We were thrifters, which is to say we spent a lot of time going around San Gabriel Valley to Sally Armies, figuring out which ones were picked over and which ones you could still find good dead stock uh, eyeglass frames. And we decorated our house in, in uh, black velvet paintings and weird old glassware and just like unbelievable tchotchkes. And I like to claim credit for all this great stuff, but the truth is that Genji was really the thrifter. Mostly I just kind of followed her around trying not to get too depressed. Because, you know, I appreciate the idea of thrifting. I still do. You know, it's ecological and it's shopping, but it's, but it's cheap and it's alternative. But, you know, she called it urban archaeology, which sounded like, you know, we were doing something academic. <laughs> but it just made me sad. You know, I'd, I'd always end up in some, like, moldy corner with some scary lady who was <laughs> reading a Robert Ludlum paperback to her invisible best friend and... <laughs> Then I'd turn around and there was a little grubby kid like cradling a little grubby stuffed animal and I'd... It, the problem was I couldn't, I couldn't separate all these objects from the stories that were attached to them. I just kept sort of circulating on where all this stuff came from. I thought about like the amateur oil painting of the poodle or the, the little Dollywood ashtray with you know, the, the baked soot on the bottom or I remember there was a picture frame with a picture of a, of a retarded kid still in it. <laughs> you know, and everything had a person attached to it. And I was pretty sure that all of these people were diseased <laughs> or demented or dead. You know, but I soldiered on, I kept going, partially because I was really looking for a good three-button suit that would fit me, but also because I feared that I was the one thing stopping my wife from becoming one of those insane hoarders that you see on Oprah who buys so much stuff that they have to make little goat trails to get to the bathroom. <laughs> so I finally reached my limit during a thrifting holiday that we took. This is how crazy we got. We took a thrifting holiday to Las Vegas. We'd heard that the shops near the Strip were like insane, that they were packed with all these incredible stuff because of all the transients and gamblers. And it was true, the, the racks like overflowed with just amazing stuff like wigs and wristwatches and shiny sparkly clothes and Genji was like fucking stoked. Like, <laughs> and I was just moping around and then I saw it. I was looking through this assorted bin near the register and there like marked with a little price tag reading a dollar was an old jock strap. <laughs> and I picked it up and the front section, that little, you know, beige pouch where you put your business, it was splattered with blood. And that was it. I couldn't even begin to comprehend what was going on, what was the backstory. It was horrifying. I was sitting here holding this jock strap, and somehow it had gotten blood on it. 
And then somebody donated, and it was on sale for a dollar. And that ended my adventures as a thrifter. That was it. When, whenever she'd say, oh, let's go thrift shopping, I'd be like, bloody jockstrap. And I never had to go. She kept on thrifting. And to my great relief, with the arrival of three very demanding children who kept her at home, our house did not become one of those crazy hoarding hellholes. But a few years ago, Genji returned from a Ventura Goodwill with a brand new, never been worn gorilla suit, <laughs> hands included. And this suit sort of changed everything. One day, about a year ago, my six-year-old daughter, Eliza, was uh, tucked into bed and she was wearing her purple pajamas and she was sleepy and the fight had gone out of her and I was right on that edge where you know you can go downstairs and watch reality TV for two hours and actually have a, a life. And um, it was just one problem. She was, she was drifting off and she had the hiccups. Um, and I tried the usual remedies. I tried everything. I, I tried having her hold her breath. I, you know, made her stand on her head. She drank from the opposite side of the glass. You know, I let her have a spoonful of sugar, but the hiccups kept coming. So I came up with a plan. And I thought this was an original solution to an old problem, and I thought it would affirm my place as a kind of free-thinking, you know, fun guy and also a protector. I went into my room, I got the gorilla head, and put it on, and I jumped into her doorway, and I went, Now, when I took the head off, I realized what a horrible mistake I had made. She was curled in the corner of the bed with Sleepy Kitty holding it up like this, saying, why, Daddy, why? <laughs> Sobbing. Went on for about 20 minutes. Um, It was, it was without a doubt a parental low point. You know, luckily it subsided the next day. She was back to her sunny self. But I, you know, I thought maybe I'd done some serious trauma. Like, you know, what are the signs of post-gorilla stress disorder? Um, you know, would she spend years in therapy discussing trust because her dad thought it would be funny if he put on a gorilla head to cure her hiccups? I was a horrible father, clearly. So I did what I thought was the only responsible thing to do. I scheduled a vasectomy. It's, it wasn't all because of the gorilla head. But let's just say I have three amazing, unruly children and a wife who, if left to her own devices, would collect enough children to rival her collection of sad clown paintings. And I had to take the issue off the table, and the incident with the gorilla head just sealed it. So I got a referral. I had my consult, and a few weeks later, good Dr. Worthman gave me a shot, sliced open my sack, and shut down the works with these little two titanium clips. And that's a whole other story, but I will just say this. I think it's kind of impolite to perform a vasectomy while discussing the comedy central William Shatner roast with your intern at the same time? I don't know. I just think that's not cool. Anyway, I went home. It went well. I was sent home to convalesce with a bottle of Vicodin and a bag of frozen peas, which is actually the makings of a pretty great weekend, I will say. 
And in the middle of this awesome weekend, I found myself changing my pajamas. And I was looking down to check on myself, and then I started to scream. And I screamed like I've never screamed before. And it wasn't the pain. My balls were fine. I looked down, and I saw that my jockstrap was bloody. And I realized I was the backstory. I was the thrifter turned desperate gorilla head wearing stranger who I could not even begin to comprehend a few years before. But I am here to tell you, my daughter may have been traumatized, but she has not had the hiccup since. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstories.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hey.